Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of the year. It is not a Wisdom Wednesday, but I do have a special guest with us today. Hey, Tess. Hello, everyone. Hello, Rosie. Hi. I feel like I've not <laughs> talked to you in so long. It does feel like that, doesn't it? It's yeah. been, what, a week and a half? And it feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, it makes it feel like, okay. But it feels, I know what you mean. I was just thinking that this morning. It feels like forever. It feels like a really long time. So we we didn't actually alert the listeners that we were taking some time off for the holidays. So I guess, I guess you all found out. Some of you sent a couple of emails and you reposted on Instagram a couple of episodes uh, wondering if we were going to release anything last week. We did not. We were off. In fact, we weren't even supposed to post anything until the new season. Season eight starts next week. But uh, we decided we wanted to fill you guys in and we wanted to just have like a end of the year wrap up conversation. And yeah, we just thought we'd just record something kind of impromptu. It is Friday and it's uh, the 31st. It is literally the last day of 2021. And so I wanted to have a conversation about what we learned this year, what we're looking forward to. If we have a word for the year, we'll talk about setting intentions because I'm a huge fan of setting intentions. Uh, My new resolution book will be available for everybody. I do it every year. It's a free ebook. It's a fun way to start the year to kind of let go of the old and in with the new. And um, it's totally free. Uh, We'll put the link to the downloadable book in the show notes. It's on my website. The problem is our website is still under construction. So you could actually only get it here. I'll post it on Instagram as well so you can download it. But yeah, you know, let's get the conversation started, Tess. I mean, you've had a week and a half to to reflect and (laughs) kind of work, not work. But I'm curious for you, like if anything's been coming up over the last week and a half, as we get closer to the end of the year, all our Wisdom Wednesday episodes, like all the things that we've discussed over the year, what have been your biggest takeaways for 2021? Yeah, it's been an interesting week and a half. I think I spent the first week just kind of letting my nervous system settle and let myself unravel. And it it took at least that long to be able to be like, okay, I can relax. I can chill. I can slow down. And we talked about this at our wrap up of 2020, that it was kind of like a year of feeling like that frenzy, that global fear, right? Of course, and and trauma. So I still feel like I'm reeling from like, from that, like so many other people are, and there's just been so much, you know, what I'm noticing is there's so much tragedy. There's so much loss in 
my immediate family and my friend circle. And so I'm processing that. I think the takeaway is to spend time and, and let myself process all of this and not to just brush it over and continue to move on, but to like take some time to grieve and be sad and feel the feels. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. That's so deep because I feel like oftentimes at the end of the year, a lot of us want to just fast forward and go into the new year. What are the goals? What are you looking forward to the most? What are the takeaways? And I'm with you. I think it's, it was definitely a a year where I personally felt stretched in ways that I, I don't ever want to experience again. I mean, you know, the loss of uh, Chucky and, you know, that even the loss of Chewy last November and getting COVID this summer and, you know, my dad having a heart attack, like it just was such a heavy year. Also very beautiful. Also a lot of really incredible things, but I, I really love what you're saying about giving our, giving yourself the time and the space to really grieve and really have this sort of uninterrupted period of time where you could just go in and reflect. Yeah. Right. It feels like, you know, if I could summarize the past sensation of the week has been kind of the sense of inertia, Mm. you know, my motivation has gone and you know how I am, Rosie. I'm like, always go, go, go. I have this like (laughs) kind of crazy workout ethic, I guess I would say. And I've just been wanting to sit on the couch and just binge watch Madam Secretary. That's the oh, is this the <laughs> new year? Tell me about this. Yes, I think it was filmed like in 2014, 2016. But it's very it's Taya Leone and I, is it Tia or Taya? I love her. She's just such a strong female lead, and she's the Secretary of State. And it's and it's real. Like there's a lot of real life events that they filter in there, and then kind of infuse with imagine what it would be like, you know, if you were living through something like that. So it's been really fun and eye-opening. And I keep thinking back to the episode with Jessica Lanyadu and just thinking about, you know, prior to that episode and prior to watching Madam Secretary, I went through like a news hiatus where I was like, nope, don't want to watch it. I'm too sensitive. Can't handle it not good for my nervous system, blah, blah, blah. But then feeling like, well, now I'm just burying my head in the stand. So how do I find the balance between those two? How how do I consume news and be an active participant in society? And I think that's like what I'm kind of figuring out is that balance between, and Jessica talks about that, like there's a time to um, consume and there's a time to know that you're emotionally sensitive and take a break from it. So, you know, there's a little bit of both going on. How, what goes, when you, you give yourself, I want to say it in this way, when you give yourself the permission to kind of just sit, sit on the couch and, and binge a show, like what is going through your mind? Like, does it take you a minute to settle into that frequency? Mm-hmm. What happens? Take me through the process. Question. Yeah. I love that. So I usually have my own little ritual within that. Like I want to have a yummy beverage and maybe that's just a cup of tea. Maybe it's a beer. Maybe it's a glass of wine. Maybe you know, whatever it is. I love my yummy beverage. And I also love to do it with my animals close by my doggies, my kitties. So yeah, there is like a setup and kind of a immersion process that happens. And then whatever it is that I'm choosing to watch, if it's something like Madam Secretary, that's like political intrigue. I like to let myself 
imagine how I could make that. I'm trying to explain this without giving too much away because I do want to write a novel kind of along these lines, the subject matter. So I try to imagine myself. Oh, here's a good analogy. So I just watched Don't Look Up, which is kind of like that satire about the world coming to an end. But the administration, the way the administration handles it's not, in my opinion, far from like what it was to live through the Trump administration. So there's like that balance between comedy and tragedy that I'm trying to figure out, well, how would I place these characters and these people in this time and space, make it feel real, make it feel valid and... I think to be able to do that, I have to go into this mindset of just imagining just creative time. And even though I'm sitting there watching TV, I consider that very much part of the research process. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. For screenwriters, watching TV is called screening. I think we've talked about this before. I learned this from Tori because we consume a lot of TV shows because as some of you may know, his next career is as a screenwriter and he's been doing it actually for many years now. And that's what we call it. So we call it screening. You're screening for creativity. I love this. I love that process because I can really relate to what you're saying. Mm. I oftentimes find myself guilting myself whenever I'm able to sit and watch a show or, or watch a movie or something. And it's something I really enjoy doing, but for me, it's very ritualistic in the sense of I want to do it at a certain time mm-hmm. and I want to do it for an, a certain amount of time at a certain time for a certain amount of time. And, I, and especially the weather has been so gloomy here in LA. It's been raining a lot. So we've been lighting a fire and the dogs are on the couch and we have a snack sit in and, you know, I've got my tea and Tori's having pita chips and hummus and, we're watching a movie and it's so cozy and it's just so enjoyable. And the practice I've put myself in when doing that, because it's something that I really do enjoy is can I, can I fully immerse myself into the process of this ritual that I really love doing? Mm -hmm. Or am I watching TV while looking at my phone, while texting, while looking at emails, while trying to multi- task when then I feel like so dissatisfied. And what I notice happens is I actually prolong the time I'm sitting on the couch because I'm not feeling the fulfillment of having the experience. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I love that. Well, it's like when people are eating, right? That's what Mm -hmm. I, I, for anybody that's ever studied intuitive eating or have ever gone into the world of, of mindful eating Sometimes when we're not paying attention to our food, we're not stopping and actually having the ritual of nourishment. We oftentimes feel empty. If I'm looking at my phone and I'm texting while I'm eating, I feel completely dissatisfied because I'm not engaging all of my senses. Whereas if we're engaging all of our senses, touch, sight, sound, smell, taste, I feel like we have a different experience altogether. You're engaging your mechanism to be fully present. So for me, like when I'm watching a show or I'm watching something, I want to be fully engaged in whatever's happening because then I feel more of the satisfaction of doing something I enjoy. I mean, you can use that type of assessment with anything. 
Mm-hmm. I do want to go back to what you were saying about don't the don't look up movie on Netflix mm-hmm. because I just finished recording episode with Sahara for her podcast, the highest self podcast. If you're interested in, in listening to that hour plus conversation about the philosophy behind that movie and what our takeaways were, please listen to that. I'll, I'll tag it in this episode. And I'm actually curious, yeah, to hear what your thoughts were. I mean, the movie was outrageously silly and I, I love a good satire. That's definitely my type of comedy. Adam McKay is one of my favorite writers and mm-hmm. I love everything that he does. He is so brilliant and definitely at times very nihilistic in his creations. And man, I found it a little bit... <laughs> terrifying and at the same at the same time hilarious Mm -hmm. and it was definitely a memorable type of film whatever side of the aisle you're on or in but I mean really the the juice of the film is a mirror to modern day society Mm -hmm. which I think is really bizarre at times. I actually just heard that it's been nominated for four Golden Globes, which rightly so. I mean, I I really, I enjoyed it. You know, like our inability to confront some of these existential horrors is mind boggling, you know? And I mean, I, I feel like it's a great film to kind of kick us off into the new year. It definitely it's hard because I'm like, it's not necessarily a feel good film, is it? It doesn't necessarily uh, no. <laughs> leave you feeling hopeful or let you feel good. But I, my sort of 15 year old nihilistic self really loves these types of films and, and these types of prose because it gets you thinking and it allows you to reflect on your own self. It allows you to really ask those questions like what is my role in this space what is my role in this society like how are my decisions impacting the greater good and it it the film without giving anything away i mean it's a film about a comet basically coming to hit the earth and it's sort of a an allegory on capitalism and climate change and you know like our inability to believe facts. It's just, it's really, I I thought it was really hilariously done. Yeah, I do. I there's, it's hilarious and terrifying and spot on. So many things ring true. And I think that's what makes it terrifying is you're like, wow, I think I just lived through something similar and not quite, of course, the exact situation, but you know, it's a good, it's a good mirror to hold up to ourselves. It, during these times and and it's it's a good way to like take a minute to kind of pause and ask yourself these real questions about what is your role in in where the world is going and how do you fit into all this and sometimes it feels like at least for me what is the point and how can i make a difference like i'm just i feel like this one little person and what can i do to make a difference so it kind of brings that into question too because you have these like insanely smart, high-level scientists sitting with the people that are basically running the United States. And that's another thing that I thought was interesting is that it's just from the perspective, basically, of the United States making this decision whether or not to intervene in saving the world. 
that perspective was interesting to me too, but also I think I'm still processing it. Like I literally just walked, watched it and I did end the movie feeling kind of like, Oh, and I'm a little depressed now. And what did I do after that? Well, we were going to chat and I was like, I need some espresso. And then I was like, I'm going to work out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great. Oh, so you just watched it. You literally literally just watched it. it. Yeah. We started watching it last night and then finished it today. I think things like that are important. You know what I love about it is that it the characters are so real and raw. Whatever side of the spectrum you're on, that they get mad and they shout at each other and they're like, why aren't you afraid? You should be afraid or just like totally delusional and, and this pattern of self-denial and just like an inability to come to terms with reality. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's part of the society that we're in. We feel exactly. we feel powerless. We're indifferent. We've become so apathetic. We feel like we can't make a change. We feel that if we can't make a change, then the other side is providing terror porn for us to just feel mm-hmm. terrible about ourselves. And we start shaming everybody else if we're not doing it. It's just, I feel like this really comes down to the ideology that we are separate from each other, that we, you know, that it was very, very visibly divided into two, the people who believed in the comet and the people who were comet deniers. It wasn't until, uh, again, without giving too much of it away, eventually the people that were the comet deniers couldn't avoid, but seeing the reality literally up above them, that there was a comet coming. And I feel like, you know, that's sort of Adam McKay's way of talking about, yeah, capitalism, the pandemic, an election, you know, whatever it may be that we are just in this state of constant battle. We're battling each other. We're battling ourselves. And if anything, what the last two years have taught me and have taught us, I feel is, you know, what I said a couple of weeks ago that we are resilient, that we can withstand a lot. The earth can't really. I mean, it can, but resources, once they're gone, they're gone, right? And like, that's the scary part. And again, I'm not trying to freak anybody out or give anybody anxiety, but the planet is on fire. I mean, you can't deny the science. And I think that we need to start just paying more attention to how we can make choices that are going to impact the globe differently and how we can make choices that are going to be more active in changing the current structure of the world at large. But yeah, definitely everything, any type of information, unfortunately, in this day and age gets weaponized and turned. And I liked that too in the film, how they sort of weaponized the information. And some people were looking at this comment coming as, oh, it's an opportunity to provide more jobs, you know, and others were like, oh, no, this is going to kill all of our, the, it's going to like extinct the entire world. So, you know, something that I, I told Sahara in that conversation, I said, it's just really interesting how we can, all of us can corroborate whatever truth we want to be true. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are just certain things that are inarguable. Like you cannot argue 
certain facts, like we will die. There will be a day where we will all cease to be here on this planet. However you want to believe it, if you believe in reincarnation like I do, maybe you come back, maybe you don't, maybe there's another planet that we go to, maybe who knows, nobody knows, but the facts are the facts. And I feel that there's probably an argument against that, you know, like what is death? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I feel like you can look at this film and use it as a conversation starter with people in your life. I I love having conversations with people that don't always agree with me because I don't want to live in an echo chamber. I, I want to be able to have conversations with people that believe different things because I want to understand the other side. I want to be able to see things differently. And unfortunately, our English language is so polarizing. You know, the English language does not allow space for the middle. It doesn't allow words for neutral. It's like, it's this or that. It's yes or no. It's right or wrong. It's blue or red. There is no in between. And I feel that we have an opportunity to learn ways to have conversations to make a middle ground, to have a space that's more compassionate, more kind, more understanding, more inclusive of everyone, as opposed to, you know, just pointing the fingers at the other side, like, oh, they're wrong. They don't know anything. Therefore, your voice matters not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it has me thinking back to Joe Keohane's conversation, which was, I believe it was the beginning of season seven or end of season six about how to have that conversation, even with the stranger Mm -hmm. and, or the person that you disagree with. Absolutely. Um, It's important. It's important to, and the movie addresses it too what, you know, the idea of the other and how we think about the other and label the other. And yeah, yeah, it's an interesting concept that the English language and the lexicon about there not being like a middle yeah. way. I've never really thought about it like that. But that's yeah, well, point. no, I, I don't remember. It's an article, actually. I don't know if I read it on the cut or somewhere like that. I read how the English language is the most I don't want to say it's militarized, but it's like the most aggressive type Mm. of language. You think about certain languages that don't have certain words at all. It doesn't even exist. You know, like I can't actually even think of, um, you know, for example, in Spanish, you know, it's everything is masculine or feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what is the word for certain things? Like there's always, it's masculine or feminine. And for me, the Spanish language, especially there's an endearment to that. There's mm-hmm. a sort of proximity to a certain level of care as opposed to a language like, you know, I mean, I don't know, like Italian is very similar to Spanish in, in that there are certain words, you know, for masculine and feminine but I'm just thinking about like the aggressive word, like the words that we use, like we're going to kill it and I'm going to, I'm crushing this workout. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, the English language is just very aggressive and it's a very warlike, you know, it's very divisive. It's very polarizing at its 
core. And I've always, I've always been interested in, in learning why and how we use certain words. And you know this, you've done trainings with me before. We talk about the power of words. It's apropos, right? The beginning of the year, we talk about the power of intention and how we can use certain words to help propel us to creating a better life. How do you talk to yourself? You know, do you talk to yourself in a way that is loving? Do you talk to yourself in a way that is disparaging? How are you engaging that dialogue with yourself? How are you engaging into dialogue with some other person? If you're more apt to have an aggressive conversation with another human being, I guarantee you are pretty much having the same type of aggressive conversation within yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Most likely first, that's the conversation you're having maybe unconsciously. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by True Niagen. I used to feel completely drained and exhausted after my morning runs, but that's not the case anymore. I love True Niagen. True Niagen fuels the body's energy engines and maintains cellular metabolism and even supports heart health. I have way more energy now. With 11 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True Niagen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels an essential coenzyme required for cellular health and repair. Since I started taking Truniagen, it really helps my muscles recover after I run or anytime I use my tonal. I just feel like I have more zest, more vitality, and I'm just really feeling like it's truly supporting my overall health. It only took a few weeks before I started to notice the difference. I even ordered some Truniagen for my parents so that they can experience more sustained energy throughout the day. And right now, for all of our listeners, True Niagen is giving 10% off of your first order. So visit True Niagen forward slash Rosie. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N dot com forward slash Rosie to save 10% off of your first purchase. True dot com forward slash Rosie. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Okay, so with all that being said, I think we should transition to uh, biggest takeaways of 2021. And I have kind of like a list of takeaways from 2020 and 2021 that I feel like kind of have been the same themes over the last two years. Yeah. And I narrowed it down to my top five. So Mm -hmm. I think the first one, the first takeaway was that we learned to live a slower paced life, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least attempted it, even though for some of us, we ramped things up because that's just part of our human design. But I feel like collectively there was just this calling to slowing things down. The second takeaway was never take your health for granted. That was a big one. The third was that we definitely learned to live with less. Mm. I mean, some of the things being at home as much as I have, like I noticed obviously I wasn't traveling as much, so I wasn't spending as much money. I was able to reassess my space and minimize and get rid of a ton of things that I didn't need. And so we have a friend that's from El Salvador and she always sends 
clothes and shoes. And, you know, she kind of does these like care packages down to El Salvador for people that don't have much, you know, so even something you would take to the Salvation Army or something, you know, she would just create this box of clothes and shoes and stuff to send. And so we kind of do it once a year, typically around the holidays where it's like, I clean out my closet and we send this huge box down there. And so mm. I did that, that this year. And I mean, I was sent, I basically got in this, like, I don't know, it, as I was going through all of my things, I just became so completely just appalled. And, you know, I don't have like a huge closet. It's like very small, but I'm just like, I don't need all this stuff. Like some of this stuff, like I'm not worn in years. I don't need any of it. So I did the Marie Kondo, hold it and Mm -hmm. see if it brings me joy. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. does this, do I love this? No, it goes away. And I, it took me, I don't know, maybe like an hour. I don't know. I texted you when I was doing this. I'm like, I'm going to clean out my closet. (laughs) But it was, it felt so good to just have this huge box knowing that somebody is going to get to enjoy this. And yeah, like I don't, I don't need all the things in in our lives that we, we felt we needed two years ago. I would invite people to reassess to see if they really needed it now, you know, some of the Mm -hmm. things that we couldn't live without. And, um, yeah, so, so I think that was one, uh, or that was the third JK takeaway. The fourth was, yeah, I think that the fourth was definitely, I felt more compelled to be of service, to help others, to just be more present with people in my life, like be more present with our neighbors, you know, like especially during when everybody was on lockdown and some of our neighbors are a little older and they can't go get groceries, that kind of thing where we were checking in more, we were just being a little bit more mindful of the people literally in our lives, like that live close to us, which we had, we hadn't ever done before. I mean, I can't remember a place where Tori and I have lived where we did that with our neighbors. And then the last thing I think was and continues to be is how adaptable we are and how resilient we are. And I think that that has to be the biggest takeaway. And I, I keep having to reflect back on that, especially knowing what a difficult year it's been for many, many people out there, you know, our ability to adapt and continue to wake up and do the duties that we need to do in order to put one foot in front of the other. So those were my five takeaways for the year. Anything call out to you or is there anything that you, you feels resonates with, with you as well? Yeah, the first one, absolutely, 100%. And it's something I said last year is the ability to slow down. And for me, that kind of ties back into the pace of life that I was living before COVID. And then we've talked about this, having it ramp back up again in 2021. I do think there is a middle ground. And that's something that, you know, as I project forward into 2022, that I want to be on the forefront of my goals and my something that I'm constantly working towards is more of a balance in my life. So absolutely. I don't know that. I don't know that I believe that this pace of life that we currently live is our human nature, but maybe rather a byproduct of the way that we currently live in our society. We think we have to keep up with the Joneses. We think we have to check X, Y, and Z box. We think we have to make it to a certain level of status to achieve quote unquote success. And then 
really what puts things into perspective is things like this. When we get sick, when a loved one gets really sick, when we experience this kind of global trauma, then we realize that all the things that we think mattered so much probably don't. And we can do with a lot less and we can slow down a lot more so that self-care really comes to the forefront. That sense of community really becomes a priority. So all the things that you're saying hundred percent resonate with, they're things that I wrote down too. They're things that I said last year, they're things that I'm still working towards. And I think when I think about that, I, you know, retrospectively, yes, I said these things I wanted to accomplish them last year. And I'm saying I want to accomplish them again this year. There was part of me as I was thinking about this conversation today was like, well, does that mean I failed last year? No, because I think that that I, I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep iterating. I'm going to keep getting better. And that's the balance of life, right? Like the pendulum swings back and forth and we learn. My mom was always telling me this when I was young and I, I kept poo-pooing <laughs> her because I, I was like, oh, I want to go, yeah. go, go. Yeah. <laughs> but she was always telling me, you know, know your limits and listen to yourself, listen to your limits. She was worried that I was going to burn myself out. Well, guess what? I did. (laughs) It just took me an extra 20 years, I guess. So I think it's really important to continue to come back to those things. Maybe you do it annually and you, and you revisit it that next year, but keep coming back to it. Yeah, no, I, I love the, I love the giving yourself the space to achieve long-term goals. Like just because it's a new year doesn't mean you have to change your yeah, goal you list. Like it. I'm a big, you know, I'm a marathoner, you know, I'm about the marathon. I don't, exactly. I don't care about the sprint. <laughs> Go for it. Have at it. I'm not interested. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen what happens to the sprinters. I've seen what happens when you take the fast lane, when you do the shortcuts, I've done them. So I, I know what it's like and it, it never, it never works out. You know, I'm all about, let it take time, you know, set a goal that you can accomplish in five years. The problem is we think because we are in this perpetual cycle of do more, more, more production, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve that we feel inadequate if we're not achieving the same amount of tasks that our neighbor is achieving and going back to what you said, the whole keeping up with the Joneses, then it it becomes demoralizing. And then we just don't even want to try. Whereas opposed to if you knew for a fact that your screen play was going to become a film, but it wasn't going to happen for 10 years, but you had a guarantee that it would. And you'd have all of that success, all the accolades, all the Sundance Film Festival Awards, all of the things you had fact knowledge that it was going to happen, but it was going to take that long. Would you still do it? And would you still do do the work every day? Would you still Mm. want it if you knew that it wasn't going to happen until you turned 50 or until you turned 60 or until you turned Mm. 70? Would it change then? How does that change your perspective? If you knew that it was going to take this long, the problem is we want to be able to set short-term goals for us to stay motivated and to stay interested because let's be honest, we are uh, creatures that love instant gratification. We love it. We we desire it. We enjoy it. That's why we have this little magnetic paperweight that we carry around all day long because we love that instant gratification. 
the problem is, unfortunately, it has trained us to not be patient and to not give ourselves the time and the space to achieve those goals. I mean, imagine if we set a goal last year, we didn't achieve it. And we're just like, oh, well, obviously I'm not meant to have that goal. Like I'm not meant to ever start a podcast or write this book or start my own business or whatever, just because you didn't do it in a year. I mean, it took me like 10 plus years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And I still didn't have a guarantee. And I still don't have a guarantee that it's going to be here in 10 years. Like nobody knows, but you have to continue to motivate yourself and find those small wins every day so that you stay motivated and you stay on your path. And I wish that more people would talk about how long it actually takes them to do things as opposed to just like posting all of the wins on social media Mm -hmm. or just celebrating all of the accolades. Like we recently became a iHeart media podcast after what, five years, you know, and it took a really long time. And even then people are like, wow, like that was, you know, you did that. That was, that's so amazing. It it seemed like it happened overnight and it's like, no, it didn't happen overnight. And it took a really long time. And had I been discouraged, I've talked about this before in the beginning when, I was getting two, three, 20 downloads and they were all my friends, you know, like Mm -hmm. for first two years, I mean, it was not like it was popping off. It took a long time and there were many breaks where I took many breaks. And those of you that have been listening to the podcast since then, and I know some of you personally, thank you for still being here, but you know, I would take breaks and I would stop doing the podcast for a while because I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the, what is the, purpose. And so I think really it's a matter of fueling that purpose for yourself and doing something that you love to do because you love to do it. It is a thankless job to be an entrepreneur, my friends. Unfortunately, some of the people that you see out there, it's great. It's like being a parent. You don't get an award for doing it right. You know, it's just like you're doing, it's like being a dog mom. Like nobody gives you an award. Like you've you've done a great, great achievement in keeping your dog healthy and spoiled. Like nobody does that. And and this is no different. And I feel that a lot of the times, especially people listen to this podcast, we we're all kind of on the same frequency here of desire for achieving, or we're creatives, we're in the space, or we're wanting, we're coaches, or we're yoga teachers, or we're meditation teachers, or whatever seeking you're doing, we're really hard on ourselves when we don't get to that place that this made up imaginary timeline that we've created seems so elusive sometimes. And we forget that we have an entire lifetime to achieve those goals. For some reason, we've been trained, conditioned by society, side note, to believe that we have to achieve a certain amount of success by 30 or by 40 or by 50. It's like Forbes lists 30 under 30, right? Top 30 under 30. You know, so we feel this celebration of unimaginable amount of success at a really young age. And unless we do it at that age, our life is over. And that's like bullshit. It's so not the reality. It's so not the way that we are designed to live our lives. And it's such a demoralizing way of trying to achieve and compare our lives to somebody else, you know, 
I mean, I write about this in, in the book and we've talked about this before. Comparison is the biggest joy kill. The minute I start to compare myself to somebody else's goals, then I'm going to lose every time because I'm comparing your outsides to my insides and I'm never going to add up. Yeah. I think it's so important to the conversation about not just motivation, because I think motivation is one of those kind of slippery things that comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. Not every day we're motivated. I've been experiencing that in a big way this last Whoa. week <laughs> because, you know, we, we're taking some time off and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get this done and that done. And then I'm just going to, you know, run into 2022 and I'm going to be so organized and blah. Did any of that happen? No. <laughs> Am I organized and ready? You know what? I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I'm going to show up just like I do every day and do my best. And so motivation, I think it ebbs and flows, but I think what is important, I think what you're saying is understand your why, why are you doing the podcast? That's your dedication. That's what keeps you getting up in the morning, even when you're not motivated and doing the little bit of work that you can, if any, that day, and maybe that day needs to be a bubble bath and a nap Mm -hmm. day and send a couple of emails, but understand your why and play the long game. And sometimes, yes, to get to the marathon, you do need to do those sprints because they make you faster in the long run and stronger. But do you need to be doing sprints every day? No, because that's how you're going to burn yourself out. So yeah, have the, the long goal in mind and allow yourself to do those little sprints and spurts here and there but let yourself kind of ebb and flow with it too. I think. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I, Hey, you're, you're preaching to the choir over here. I mean, I don't, I agree with everything you said. I'm, um, I'm growing a, a monarch butterfly, probably the last one of the season right now. And how are you? What? Tell me yeah, about this. So cool. monarch season typically in Southern California, I believe is from like uh, September to November. And we have some milk thistle out front that grows in the front. And so one of my friends actually told me that she asked if I, she came over and and dropped some, some books off that she was kind of clean. She was cleaning too, clearing things out a couple months ago. (laughs) And, um, she's like, do you ever check for monarchs on your plants out front? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you need to go look. And, you know, it's been such an interesting process that lasts, you know, you, you got to be really patient. It takes a long time to grow these, these monarchs. And you find it, it's basically an egg. You find these egg, they kind of look like little pimples, you know, like little white heads of a pimple. Yeah. So they're under, yeah. and I found two and I brought them inside and I, you know, got a little butterfly. I did all my research cause I'm a geek and I'm like, okay, what is it that I need if I'm going to raise these butterflies? Because they're going, they're they're not going extinct. I mean, talking about global warming, but they're they're quickly becoming endangered. endangered. So I'm like, okay, you know, I I read all these articles, and I'm like, oh, I'll try and grow some of these little guys. You know, I found two, and actually, I'd found three, and I gave them to my niece, and then she took them home. And then as I was going through the process with uh, my sister-in-law, she was like, "Mm, I better give these to the school, which is my niece's little kindergarten. And they're literally, side note, they're hatching right now. Mm -hmm. And 
So she took them to the school and, and they're growing them there. I guess they have a space for them. But they grow from this little egg. It take little by little, they start growing and they start becoming these little tiny, 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 they're called something. And I don't know, it's not like a larva, but it's like, they start to get a little bit bigger. Like they start becoming a caterpillar, right? But they're really small and they're just eating leaves. You have to clean out, they poop a lot. The poop is called uh, frass and you have to clean it out, you know, in the process of cleaning it out, one of them was missing and I was freaking out. I'm like, how did this get out? You know, they're sneaky little buggers. Like, where is it? And then I read that sometimes they cannibalize each other because they t- they taste like the leaves, right? I don't know. Sorry if I'm upsetting anybody out there. But so this little bugger ate the other guy, his brother or his sister. It's non-binary. So yeah, so we've been growing this one and I, I just started posting said caterpillar on my Instagram stories. So from the egg, they grow into this caterpillar and in probably now it just attached itself to the roof, a roof of the butterfly home. So I imagine now it's going to be about 10 to 12 days. It's going to start to become a chrysalis as this clear sort of cocoon, like lantern hanging upside down. And then after that, it slowly starts to break out of its chrysalis and starts to expand and turn into a monarch butterfly. And it's been such a beautiful experience for me having the patience, right? And seeing this this little egg slowly begin to eat and turn into this huge caterpillar. I mean, he's a big boy or girl. And it was so funny in the beginning, Tori was like, what is she doing now? What is this girl up to? And he is Mm -hmm. so excited about it. Now he's committed. It's like our child is in there and he gets fed and he's in our little breakfast nook. So we talk to it every day. We're just having like a normal conversation. And it's just at no point in this monarch's life span have I tried to speed up its process. And why do we do that to ourselves? You know, this, this, Caterpillar is going to become a chrysalis here in two weeks. And then its wings will start to break out. And I'm sure it's an aggressive process. I can't imagine it feels good. And Mm -hmm. slowly it'll expand its wings and then it'll be time for me to release it out into the world. And Mm -hmm. that's like our goals. That's our dreams. It's our, it's our own personal growth. Sometimes it's painful to grow. And sometimes we just need the space to eat and sleep and poop and do what we do to be humans in, in this life. Yeah. Mm, That's such a beautiful analogy. I love that. So on that note, I'm like, on that note, uh, what a great way to start the new year. So I, yeah, I have a prayer for all of us. No, I'm like not a prayer, like a real prayer. Like my wish for all of us is to give ourselves space to practice more compassion, self-compassion, self-care, self-love. Give yourself the opportunity to expand the vision of your life. Be nice to yourself. Set goals that feel good and that you can attain in five plus years time. And 
Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, set your own parameters, set your boundaries and don't forget to inquire within. Mm, I love that. Do you have anything you want to share? All of those things as well. I think the thing that I would add is building community around you. I was thinking back to you talking about getting to know your neighbors, spending more time with your neighbors. It's I've always been really blessed to to know my neighbors, but that takes effort and it takes getting out of your comfort zone a little bit when new people move into the neighborhood or you move into a new neighborhood. But it's so important to know who your neighbors are. You can call on each other when you need help. They can call on you. And, you know, just the other day, my neighbor's car broke down and we've been having this snow and ice storm in the Pacific Northwest for the past couple of weeks and her car broke down in front of the mailbox. And she came over to our house and, you know, it's just nice to know that people can rely on me and that I can rely on other people in times of need. So I say build, build community. Yeah. Well, we're the ones you guys listening, the ones that are listening or watching, whatever, (laughs) we love you and we're part of your community. You're part of ours and We are so excited about the new year. It's going to start off pretty uh, intensely for us. And we are looking forward to it. But at the same time, we're, you know, going to give ourselves the space to not take things too seriously. Saying this to myself. That's really good. Yeah. (laughs) And um, we look forward to having this journey 2022, make it your year. And uh, we're so excited to be a part of it. Thank you for spending some time with us. And we look forward to connecting with all of you next year. Have a happy new year. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.